Hello and welcome to the last Bucket Boys podcast of the 2022 season. This wild ride has finally run its course and well, we all need a bloody good sit down. So joining me this week, Henry Quinney, we have of course the BFG of PBR, Mr Big Daddy Ben Cathro and Sleeper Co head honcho Max Rendell. Now Max, who runs Sleeper with Glenn Thompson, are the guys that have been tasked with bringing PBR to life, but they're also behind a lot of Ben's videos, such as Walk the Talk and How to Bike. But he's not just a dab hand at the old point and shoot, he's also an accomplished, he's also an accomplished rider himself, and has honed his bike skills back with his childhood friend and world-famous freerider and pilot, Canadian Reese Wil- Wallace. Fucked it. I got so excited. I got so excited. Uh, I'm gonna do a joke. I'm gonna do a joke. Well, that's just fucked it. Moving on. Um, we've just wrapped up VDS. Uh, now, Ben, as ever, can you tell me what the fuck just happened? Um, we just rode the hardest track of um, my career, mm. my life. It's it was horrible and wonderful in equal measures. Now, not to. Just, just so people can understand, like, you know, you look at MSA, you look at Valdesol, mm. both enormously physical. Oh, yeah. But what is it that makes Valdesol just so hard to race? It's the scale of the rocks and holes. Like, uh, lots of our tracks are rough. So you would say, like, from an inch high bump to, I don't know, like a foot is like your standard just chatter. It just rattles you, but you don't have to do too much you can just let the bike deal with it and just let the bike float over it with Val the Soul it's like you're going from your foot up to your like meter two meter high just compressions and holes and you're just working your entire body non-stop top to bottom it, it's also the it's carbohydrates as well everyone's only running off of carbs yeah <laughs> just all like what were you eight eight pizzas yeah eight pizzas deep no that was actually <laughs> harry he's a, he's a vegetarian so the poor poor soul has only been eating pizzas for a week margarita pizzas because <laughs> max you're, you're obviously standing trackside for all these things do you notice a difference in i don't know how much risk riders are exposed to based on track from venue to venue is this one of the the, the tracks where people are having to just be looser this is a separator for mm. sure like you can see more of a distinct difference between people that are less experienced than others mm. and yeah you see people like i think jackson goldstone was a real standout in practice because he he was just letting it run in the light small build that he had mm. and just the sheer confidence that he's got at the moment i think as well was just allowing him just to sort of let it let it dance and he kind of treats the whole track as like a set of dirt jumps yeah so he's just flowing and in, 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 in a really beautiful way and the same with kind of Laurie Greenland and all the smaller riders Troy Brosnan as well I was going to say do you think you know maybe this is one for you Ben with with your kind of background in coaching as well as racing Mm -hmm. and also being probably in terms of your height Mm -hmm. an outlier compared to the average height of a Mm -hmm. a World Cup rider do you think there is it's better to be slightly shorter in stature here it's always what people are fishing for, isn't it? It's like a solution to the the theories <laughs> we don't, and we, everything. We just want simple solutions, then we can move and on. It's like, well, Danny Hart won yeah, Danny a, Hart year, a year, and then Laurie Greenland won here. Yeah, he did, it yeah. must be small riders. I mean, you've proven your yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then Greg Menard won here. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh no! It's it seems that anyone can win if you're going fast enough. Oh man, it's almost. <laughs> It's always more complicated than I'd like it to be. It is, it is really frustrating, but it is... I mean, you say Fort William is a track. Oh, big riders. It's always big riders that win there. And then Troy Brosnan won there. 
So it's a, it is a really interesting one, and I think it can change depending on conditions. Uh, but the fastest rider wins in the day, and they can be any size. And you shape. need more finesse. Like it doesn't really matter. Like the mm. size of you for a track like this, you just need to you have a next level amount of timing. And mm. just and just kind of yeah, letting it flutter over stuff. And the slower you go, the what I'm sure you felt in practice. It, mm. Like the first run would have been dramatically different to the mm. to the last. Mm. But can you just help? Maybe because if we look at Leona Pierini, who's mm -hmm. a French rider who's been supported by Pink Bike Racing this year, yep. compared to you, she's very sh I don't know how tall she is, but she's quite small in stature. Mm -hmm. You're very tall. What? Are the differences going to be in terms of technique, if any? I mean, is there anything like that? I heard you say something really interesting about the size of the compressions, mm -hmm. depending on the stature of the rider. Yeah, so the length of my limbs, I can pump the bike through and absorb features uh, of the same kind of uh, size as the amount of room I have to let the bike move. And I've definitely got double the room mm -hmm. to Leona. So I can neutralise things a lot easier. And I wouldn't say the technique doesn't change. Yeah, but, yeah. It's more I can, in theory, ride through things faster than she could because she doesn't have as much space to absorb it. But then what I always say is then the flip side of that is that it takes a lot more energy to use that volume of mm -hmm. like body travel. So taller riders tend to get more fatigued because there's more leverage and more movement going on, whereas smaller riders don't tend to tire out as much. And then you can overcome the lack of room to kind of absorb things by trying to skip over stuff and not work the bike through it and like preload before them to get the bike up and over it and stuff like that. So it's the techniques are slightly different, but in essence, we're all doing the same things. Mm. Yeah, totally. Now we'll go through the results um, as well as maybe kind of touching on the elements of the overall and obviously the significance of this last race of 2022 but starting with the junior women as always Gracie Hemstreet rounded off her season to you know really drive home the fact that she won the overall the year it's, mm. the overall this year it feels like it's been to be honest at the start of the season I thought and maybe this is unfair but I thought Phoebe Gale was gonna mm. was gonna have it I felt that although um, Gracie's an amazing rider I just thought I know there's such an aggression to the way that Phoebe rides mm -hmm. um, but hey you know, over the course of a season, Gracie definitely came out on top and she's all got that swanking new helmet to boot, which is pretty exciting. Also really excited to see Isabella Yankova with the best result of the season. Mm -hmm. I think matched the best result. Um, it feels like, I, know, I think it's probably quite nice for her to end this year on a high mm. after what I imagine was probably quite a tumultuous period in some ways. She was on for the win and the splits. I think just lost time at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, like Gracie was three seconds faster in the bottom split. Yeah. Made it up. And we've seen in fourth place Valentina Vera Sanchez, the Colombian rider, coming in with, you know, she's. It felt like her, her season's definitely got stronger towards the end. Of yeah, the year. for sure. And um, she's really kind of coming to World Cup racing. I think it's going to be a great, a great potential battle next year. Mm -hmm. You know, for Amy's going to do really well. Who came? Amy Kenyon, the pink bike racer. She came in sixth. Those yeah. two could be, you know, yeah, really good to certainly challenging each other. Yeah, it's shaping up for a. Uh a battle next year we were like getting oh Amy's getting excited like oh fastest uh, first year junior gonna, gonna win all the races next year but you never know who's gonna come in mm. and also people peak at different times as well yes so yeah it's gonna be gonna be interesting well and look at uh, Yankova came in as a junior dominated as mm -hmm. a second year mm -hmm. not so much um on to the junior men Jordan Williams Jordan Williams took a fantastic well done, Jordan. fantastic win with a time 
that would have that would have won elites. Mm-hmm. How much did you think the track was deteriorating, Max? You were trackside. Did it look like it was breaking up a lot? The or? problem was the rain. There was a little bit of rain. Yes. Um, and it started to rain at the top very early, and it wasn't raining at the bottom. Mm. So the the riders, a lot of them, were, it was tackier in the open, so it would have separated riders in that you could you could have seen it two ways. It's going to be grippier, or it's going to be slippier. Mm. The routes were slippier, um, but it was about how you mentally approached that, you know, because the open turns at the top were tackier, and there would have been patches of the track that would have been tackier, other parts that were greasy and uh, yeah so that's what I think the why you see that time with Jordan but mm. I've no doubt that he's going to put down some extremely competitive times in Elite mm. next year just cause, and he was looking fantastic on track from run to onwards and we've obviously got Jordan and Jackson this year who are you know as we said thousands of times on this podcast they're just fantastic but do you think that say when yeah when Finn was in juniors or Loic was in juniors do you think an 18-year-old Bruni would have been comparable or better than an 18-year-old Jackson? That's a really interesting question. He's, uh, Jackson... Because I don't, it feels like, as, you know, let's face it, like, we're very much guilty of this, but everyone loves to be excited about potential mm. and somebody coming in potentially and really dominating, not so dominating, but certainly hitting the ground running when it comes to elites. And so I think it's quite easy to be hyperpo- um, hyperbolic about each junior but do you think historically going back I mean you know I mean like the, probably the greatest junior ever even though he didn't have the category and then was probably Sam Hill mm-hmm. but I would, I'd love to see if we could get all the 18 year olds you know I do wonder if it's if it's because you see it in motocross the riders now at the top end of motocross like your Chase Sexton are, are super young mm. so you got to wonder if it's something to do with the age of information and people are able to absorb more about riding technique via the internet mm. so I mean, I know there was there was plenty of video footage around the Sam Hill era and the like Bruni era, but you just got to wonder if the kids growing up scrolling, they're getting fed more, mm. and maybe they're absorbing more earlier on. So maybe the level is going to continue to to keep going up mm. and up and up. I think also it's probably indicative of the sport becoming more professional, and people trying to spot talent younger and support it from younger, um, because if you have factory support from the age of, I mean, the age of thirteen, which you know, that Gen S, they've got some riders on that are literally 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. It, it should, if the programme works as well as they want it to, it should hopefully lead mm-hmm. to a, a better junior racer. I don't think there's been anyone of this level since, you know, when Sam Hill was of junior age. Because mm-hmm. he, he, he was going fast enough that he would have won world champs in Lugano by an absolute mile, really? like, overall as a junior, but he crashed and got, like, fourth overall. Mm-hmm. So, like... There's not been anything since then. And then prior to that, there was definitely others. I think Gracia won a World Cup overall as a junior. And then probably more back in history. Like People did comment when we kind of talked about this before. But it's way more competitive now. Yes. So I, I don't think we've had a higher level of junior riders. Mm. It, it's, quite, it's quite amazing. Um, in second place, there was Ryan Pinkerton. And his was you know seasons ended on a sweet spot. I mm. think he was you know getting some good results, but... I know, I think one of those riders that's kind of been maybe flying under the radar a bit more. I think it was like yep. the number 10 plate. Yep. Um, but a fantastic result for him, and I'm sure he's very happy. Remy Mayersmith um, consolidating his second from Leger World Champs mm-hmm. with a third here. Jackson Goldstone only needs one hand, handlebar, you know, <laughs> hand yeah. on the bars across the line. And uh, Alex Franco's in fifth. In the overall, um, we talked about Gracie winning the female junior, and Jackson had already wrapped it up yep. in. Um, 
you know previously what i do what i what i do quite like about this overall with the juniors is that they've been pushing each other really hard but they both made mistakes along the way mm-hmm. and i think it's delivered a bit of intrigue about it because totally. it hasn't been like one person's been folding under pressure or anything like yeah, that yeah. they both have mm. been pushing each other so hard yeah mm-hmm. Jack, i've got like uh, speaking of jackson it's it's interesting how he's gonna go into the elite category because it's always that like maybe you're not going to be at the very sharp end immediately and i had an interesting conversation with valley hole and she said that because we were asking her what did she learn in junior and she said she didn't learn much in junior because she was winning so much mm. So she didn't actually make much many moves forward because she didn't need to. Mm. She was winning. She only came second like twice. Um, so moving into elite, the biggest lesson that she learned was how to lose mm. and how to how to take that. Whereas mm. Jackson seems like he's super passionate, super fired up, and I just got. I wonder if if he's if he's going to be able to take these mm. losses. But with Valley, I mean, I think there's an argument. It's funny Harry Malloy, who's the not only actually wrote a fantastic result mm-hmm. himself this weekend, but the assistant manager at Saracen. And he was saying, you know, that Jordan and Jackson have each other to thank for pushing themselves so hard. Yeah, in the case of Valley Hall, if, if we do look back, I mean, obviously she dominated the juniors and perhaps should be in the in the conversation for, you know, you know the all-time great junior races. But do you think if she'd had a rival that had been on her pace, it would have pushed a bit harder? Do you think she could have got to a higher level? Depends on the person and the personality because for Jackson and Jordan they have and neither of them have, have really crumbled mm. but I think some people in that situation as a young rider it would have been easy to like come apart of the seams kind of thing so you, yeah we can do the classic oh yeah maybe but it's, yeah it's so hard to know it is, um, yes totally but I think that's something that's really interesting about downhill is that in other sports we have this concept of money ball and ex- in football it's like expected goals and all these data points or whatever in downhill because we get so few races and the races can be affected by a whole myriad of you know, <laughs> weather variables. or problems and yeah. variables, there's so many unknowns. We, we don't really have this foundation and data in our sport mm-hmm. in the same way that you know they, they know in, say, Formula 1 or whatever, that that person's two-tenths slower in the same yeah, car. On whatever, average. On yeah. average or over yeah. a season. Or in downhill, it feels like, let's face it, there are so, you know, it's so many riders who you don't know of when they how to put this but they genuinely have had the you know series of bad luck that they kind of present because everyone kind of can can do that or if maybe not i mean it feels like i don't know it's such an interesting sport because there's so much speculation and so much personality in it like like you said judging not only who's got the talent to be a great rider but also who's got the attitude to really drive it home it's Mm. it's the psychology of it that's so interesting because of the variables you have to come in so confident and expecting to win but the, that expectation is what causes a lot of <laughs> suffering yeah, afterwards yes, yes. Mm-hmm. so it's about readjusting and being very spontaneous with the moment and finding the positives and keeping keeping moving i find the psychology of this sport so interesting just because of the absolute lack of riding time mm-hmm. like you're just like you're practicing all weekend but it only comes down to that one run whereas at a motocross race you've got 40 minutes to work it out mm-hmm. um you know, if you get if you're mid pack, then cool. That's the battles on or whatever. But you, you, these these races, it all comes down to such a small amount of time. You have to be resilient to losses. Yes, I, I you know I always think with downhill, yeah, you have to be very efficient with the disappointments. You know, yeah. because you just can't feel them too hard. Because most people go disappointed 
most of the time. Mm. And it's just it's just a cool sport in a lot of ways. At least in football or something, like half the people win most of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> football, mm-hmm. like most people, sorry, downhill, most people going home feeling like they lost. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's kind of brutal, but that also, I think, makes it such a, a human sport because not only are people risking life and limb and often, you know, being, going through a whole breadth of emotions about fear and, you know, how much, you know, how much risk they want to want to have. When it goes right, it's the highs of incredible. Mm. Um, on to the elite women. Miriam Nicole won, and I quite like when it happens when we have an overall battle. And so Miriam Nicole won the race, but then Camille Blanche won the overall. Yeah. And it felt like the season ended with everyone going home with something, you know? Yeah, it was really wholesome. It was really nice. <laughs> everyone gets something. Yeah. Um, so Nina Hoffman in second, Valley Hall in third. Jess Blewett, mm-hmm. who's on her way to Hardline next week. Wow. In true. fourth. Although apparently there's a hand injury, I've heard. Yeah, a sore thumb. I don't know if it's broken or just sprained. But yeah, mm-hmm. might not be the best for 80 foot gaps <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that lily pad yeah well I heard Dan Allerton got up close and personal with it oh really yeah. oh, oh was that the helmet the, smack, that, the, yeah. the smashed helmet he wasn't wearing a bell super was he not one of those detachable jaw pieces well, well, no, it, was, it, it, well it was detachable but <laughs> yeah, it was detachable. <laughs> only, only with force <laughs> okay we'll tie it back on he's the gnarliest guy he is super gnarly mm-hmm. yeah, so just when you see that bike part that they've built as well it's like the graft Mm. the graph that Dan Arthur puts in is incredible I was there back in the spring what was cool was that I mean I don't know it was great because you saw them all riding there and like man in the cafe and stuff and it felt like mm. yeah not something they've attached their name to but something they just exactly. deeply invested yeah, in yeah I mean he's on site he's there living yeah. I think it's like a, I don't know but I've heard it's like a caravan oh, on really? the side of You're the hill getting it done. and it's just yeah. Yeah, it's like a static caravan and that's he doesn't even have internet no way that's what I've heard anyway so he's literally on this like old school rotation of building jumps and grafting away and like mm-hmm. making something that everyone else can enjoy and just really it doesn't seem like there's much ego in it for mm-hmm. him he's not he's not yeah. riding up off of any sort of limelight or anything like that he's just putting the shift in yeah mm-hmm. and everyone gets to enjoy that in in the form of that bike park which is amazing yeah it's kind of i don't know i think that's quite admirable mm. admirable thing um it's funny i, I think about it like and you tell it now and it sounds so romantic. I'm like, oh, I could do that. But then actually I don't have the patience or the hard the work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. be done in like two days. Like, <laughs> I just want some broadband. Oh, it gets gnarly in Wales as well. <laughs> in, the, in the winter when it starts snowing. <laughs> Graft. Um, coming back to Jess Blewett though, and, you know, it feels like almost that she could be a real free racer of the women's field. Mm-hmm. Maybe doing that kind of Brendan Fairclough thing. Um, do you think? Do you think that there's an appetite for... The women elites to go give hardliner, hardliner cracks. I think she's done some of the fest series as well. She's done all sorts mm-hmm. of Jess Blewett. Um And do you see the sport potentially going that way? It's quite an open question. Um, I mean, I would like to see her going mm. do a hardline because I know I couldn't do it. I'd be like, shit, yeah, if you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's amazing, unlike unreal. Mm. And uh, I mean, loads of other riders have gone to do it and then backed out. Mm. So uh, yeah, like. I look forward to to seeing it, and it's not that I feel like it's like you know the people that can do the, uh, the kind of multidiscipline things like your Kate Edwards, even Jackson Goldstone, just because they can do something, it doesn't necessarily mean they should or have to. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think writers that can should just do what they enjoy. Yes. So she's obviously going to do it because she enjoys doing it. So yeah. So Ben, with an event like Hardline. You said you wouldn't be keen yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what's what's the aspect that would stop you? 
Um, I don't like big jumps. Right. <laughs> you were fucking giving it the beans when Amy was saying she didn't like big jumps in Lords. Yeah, well, they weren't big. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it, it's, all, it's all perspective, isn't it? It's like, uh, where I grew up, we, there just wasn't any jumps. We, mm. just, we just rode tech and steep stuff and ruts. And I just don't have a lot of experience with it. Mm. So I find it really hard to judge. And anything I don't feel experienced in, I'm always cautious with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like big jumps and stuff I'm not a big fan of like awkward gaps mm. that like people are like oh yeah I'm not sure about that I fucking am right in there like mm. love that but once the size gets beyond what I'm comfortable with like nah mm. I've seen you do some ridiculously awkward sections love it at, at a pace that's just shouldn't be allowed mm. <laughs> and how, how do you feel about like things like hardline max from a filming perspective do you think filming the race and that, that's the way you'd want it to go or are you into these kind of what we've got as World Cup racing now which seems to be obviously very technically demanding not what it was a couple of years ago when they, there were maybe elements of it becoming too smooth yeah. now it feels like real racetracks what do you reckon to it? Oh I like the kind of gnar like the track that we've just been at with Val de Sol, I feel like that's athleticism like yeah. that is a true test of who is the best athlete so I love I love that aspect of it the big jumps is a is another element that I think could probably be integrated more, but you need to give people options to go mm. around them as well because there's going to be a like to have a jump that some people are just not doing like a lot of people are not doing I think is really cool because then it, it really separates separates the field and also just in general from a filming perspective if you've got some sick jumps then you're going to get some people throwing some whips and then you get mm. that aspect of it which is really good for people's marketing essentially yes, our totally. brand if you can throw a whip then that's a great thing to have on the track mm. even if you're not doing so well you can still have fun with it and create something a, a couple of weeks ago on the main podcast i expressed my the, the fact that i don't massively enjoy watching slope style i'd rather see people throw whips on downhill tracks in between rough sections right that's interesting any slope style. oh i love i love slope style so much we're not going to go into it people are, people are, people are, <laughs> people are sick so of me and i don't want to i don't want to go into it again but in terms of like girls heading into the freeride sector like the, i think the the red bull rampage uh, i can't remember what they called formation but that was amazing like yes. that was so so good and you know to create courses that is pushing their limits i think that's that's amazing so mm. for for jess to be thinking about going to hardline that's just another and i, I think some, i'd like to just kind of temper what we're saying with is that i'm not sure I'm, as always i'm not sure if anyone listens to this <laughs> but i mean i don't think it'd be fair to put too much expectation on, on anyone going to hideline that they, they absolutely have to do it yeah. like there's no shame in getting them being like oh actually it's not for me i mean you remember already went a couple of years ago and was actually like you know what Mm. This ain't me, and I, I think I really respect that as well. Yeah. He's made a career of being the hucker in yeah. Canada, and he wasn't keen. Yeah, yeah. So it's it definitely shows that it's something else. I'd love to go else. and see which ones I'd like to ride and ride mm. individual features, but the concept of riding it in a full run mm. is absolutely terrifying. And I've never been there, so it's mm. terrifying from a distance, never mind when you get out there on the ground. I once... <laughs> one of the lowest... I mean, I've had many low points professionally, but this one was really just, you know, chef's kiss. I was at Hardline, mm. and the people at Red Bull UK came up, and they said, um, do you want to interview Danny McCaskill in, like, 20 minutes? Mm. Um, yeah. They like, oh, what are you going to interview him about? And I was like, I don't know. So I was like, well, just like a track walk of it going down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds really vain to talk about it, but 
I just when the, it was the, the interview was basically so the pre-production wasn't there it was he was really nice but I mean I was just being so fucking boring and he was just like getting it through and it was awful and I had this like weird comb over I don't know why but it looked like Bobby Charlton it was fucking awful man and I remember just thinking like so here it is one of like the ultimate G's in mountain biking and you just look like a turnip in front of him and he's there just like just humouring you for like hours it was hours long I had to walk down this whole fucking track and he was such a nice guy and I just couldn't say anything remotely insightful remotely oh that's a big jump there he was like yeah I was like oh fuck let's have another go at this that's a really big jump and he was like yeah it is and the worst thing is it's all on video like thousands of people saw me just be an absolute lemon it's fucking oh, awful I, I didn't see it no I'm not surprised that you didn't see <laughs> no, it not in the favourites list the, the, some people did and it was Oh, the, just the sheer embarrassment I the feel. View, it. The view count's going to go up by three after this. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think about Hardline, that's what I think of. The, mm. I get an immediate pang of embarrassment. Mm. Anyway, that's just my own little fucking catharsis. On to the elite men. Um, Lois Verger won with an absolutely fantastic run ahead of Andreas Kolb in second, who has had a magnificent season. Now, Dakota Norton nearly won his first World Cup, but... Bearing in mind, the man he would have pipped would have been Aaron Gwynn. He might have won his first World Cup on Saturday and been fired on Monday. Aaron Gwynn in fourth, a real return for form. And Bernard Kerr, who seems to be a permanent fixture on the podium now. Hmm. Amazing. Him, him, him and Kolb have just been, just been there. Yeah. Like, for most rounds this year, it's been pretty sick. It has been fantastic, eh? There was also, I think, an honourable mention to another Kerr, mm-hmm. Henry Kerr, who binned it. Sam held it. On the last turn. He, Sam he, held it. He fully, it was fully Sam held. He went proper last turn. Yeah. Yeah. High poor, speed. Poor guy. But then again, this, you know, there must be so much encouragement to take from the rest of the race. Mm-hmm. Because totally. he, he was he was on podium pace. I think he's 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 bummed out, but it, as I was saying to him when we were out last night. Well, you won the rise, were well, yeah. Many, many, many <laughs> pints deep. Um, when you start to think about it long term, I mean, that's just only a positive mm-hmm. thing. When you start to think about the four or five years or however long he's planning to do this, then that is just like another little thing. You know, the, mm. the standing on the podium at the end of it is really just a kind of bonus. Mm-hmm. Like, it's about the process, and he's clearly loving the process and finding some form. So, Because as an Irishman, he comes from the... It's the island off the mainland of Ireland, I believe, which some people call Britain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like the, where is he the island, <laughs> the island east of Ireland. It's, it's. I think it's. I think that it's got people that live there. Mm-hmm. He comes from the very east, the very east part of Ireland. Uh, Inverness. 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 Yes. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that, but you've you've got to do what you've got to do. Yeah, to, to man. We know what the deal is with that. Yeah, you have to get in. You have to. You have to get to the race. It's pretty tricky to get in that GB Worlds team. We just uh, <laughs> Scotland. Scotland needs to just come independent, and we'll have another five. Oh well, this is getting. This is getting oh, a bit hot under the collar. Just. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> conversation about politics no matter how well reasoned or polite is not welcome here <laughs> i just want to see literally i couldn't care about the rest of it i just want to see five scottish riders mm-hmm. at the at the races I just, and, the, and the scottish kit but i'm overly patriotic mm-hmm. and very biased Spons- <laughs> sponsored by spf 45 <laughs> <laughs> um so this year it feels like you know i mean obviously loik sort of had that early season injury. Mm. I don't know if he targeted Worlds, but it felt like he, mm. he very much delivered on it. Mm-hmm. Troy Brosnan, also early season injury, felt like he kind of really came good for Worlds. 
Dois Verge, it's also, I mean, he's won World Cups, but he hasn't been mm-hmm. quite at the forefront. Yeah, he's been know. up and down all year. Yeah, yeah he, had to, he had some adversity to deal with with a couple of niggling injuries and yeah, a few a few pretty major crashes. So the mm. fact that he's managed to bounce back. On a track like Val de Sol. On a track like Val de Sol is unbelievable. And he's so understated and and, and very modest mm. and just doesn't doesn't say an awful lot, just kind of cracks on and, yeah, it's it's. It's some. It's somehow surprising when he gets to the top again. You're like, oh yeah, Loris, yeah. <laughs> Loris. You know, he's really, really, really fast. Next yes. level. That's what I thought. I thought you no, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, uh, I watched back his uh, his run, and he was just gapping shit. That I was like, that doesn't. You can't do that. Mm. <laughs> I was Somebody like, stop that man. I know. He's like, no, but if you that doesn't work and. It was fat. Oh, Jesus. Like, unreal. And then, after that run, I was like, I just can't believe what I've just witnessed. Mm. And I was like, Jordan went five seconds faster than that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, crazy. Because yeah. um, a man that wasn't on the podium, but was for the overall podium, of course, Perion, who, mm. I mean, he's, he's, he's just a machine. Do you think he, I mean, he seemed quite disappointed at the time initially, to mm. not at least, you know, finish the year on a high. I think it's... Mm. But hey, I'm sure he'll, you know, he'll take an overall quite happily. Yeah, I mean... He'll, have to, he'll get by. <laughs> kind of, it, it soothes the the disappointment getting that that big paycheck, isn't it? Just, <laughs> yeah, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, with the exception of um, Jackson, three of the four overalls were won by bikes with um, pit, um, idlers again. Ah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because the, the people with the most money probably, sorry, not necessarily, but might have the most this, that, the other. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it's, it's a perfect science, but it might be worth might be worth thinking about. Um, now, this was the end of 2022. Obviously, it is the last Red Bull race. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's so much strange about the way it's going to Discovery because the way, the way I think about it, it may be in sort of very oversimplified terms but if you had were putting up to tender someone to build your house and you had one person and they came with this is what we've done for years this is how we build them this is the house you're going to get and then someone was like we're not going to tell anyone anything how we're going to build your house it's going to mm-hmm. be a massive surprise they must have when when discovery tendered it mm-hmm. and they they won the contract they must have said this is what it's going to be mm-hmm. i don't know where all the information is it's crazy mm-hmm. we finished the season and you know there's lots of people like hanging about on contracts and stuff because mm-hmm. they just don't know what World Cup racing is going to look like. Mm, I think it, it's all hanging in, in negotiations at the moment. I think everything is fluid at the moment until we they, they start to firm things up. I think at the moment there's just going to be conversations happening mm. about what the way to do it. Mm. And yeah, I don't, I don't know much more than anyone I, else. I, I'm really hopeful. I'm not. I'm not bagging on something before we've even seen what it's going to be. And I, I hope it's going to be really good. But it does, I'm a bit bewildered by the lack of information. I feel like even if that was the case, it feels now like it's before it was like, it's a bit funny that there isn't that much information. Mm. Now it's like, this is getting a bit problematic. I think yeah. because people have got to plan their livelihoods and everything around it. Yeah, well, it's just like when with anything new, you just don't know how long things are going to take and it's really hard to plan for. Mm. So I bet they are really frustrated yes, that it's all so. not sorted and done and it's like, oh, there's actually a lot more things to think about and organise and, and negotiate than they thought. Mm. And, 
I mean, going back to your putting it out to tender, uh, I mean, they've done a lot of sporting events in the past, so I'm sure they were like, oh, yeah, they do have a lot of experience yes. and quite a lot of money. So, yeah, that sounds great. Thanks. Yeah, we'll mm. go with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's... We're, we're, we should approach it with a bit of optimism because there's a lot of mm. pessimism in regards yeah, to it. I agree. And on the surface, you see, oh, Rob Warner is not going to be in there. So mm. instantly people are in a negative mindset about this. Mm. But the, the number of eyes that are going to be put on the sport might be 10 x Like, mm. it's going to be significantly more than what it is at the moment. And those eyes are also going to be fresh. Mm. Whereas we've been maintaining this core and bringing some, some extra people in. But ultimately, how many people are clicking on Red Bull Bike? In, mm. in, in Europe, in these old little niche places around the world that only someone like Warner Brothers and Discovery can mm. distribute out to. Because mm. it's not just one, it's not going to live in one place, it's yeah. going to live in so many different places. So just the sheer volume of eyes, I can see only as a positive thing. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, right, I mean, I think if you look at things like the Premier League or boxing or, you know, like this idea, like, you know, the UFC with the pay-per-view, there are lots of sports that have thrived under the subscription model mm. you know I'm not, I, don't, I, I don't know the details and that's not me being guarded I genuinely don't know because no one does <laughs> but I you know I mean I, I hope it goes well I'm not I'm so certainly not all doom and gloom about it because I think a lot of things do need to change in downhill mm-hmm. um, the only thing I hope for is, is a, a, a just a good transition period mm-hmm. and they say like we're not just going to try and do this in a year it's like a three year project or mm-hmm. something because it's interesting you know going back we have the like you know little sort of periods of downhill it's like the free caster days and now it's as of today well it's now like that was the red bull days mm-hmm. and now it's what are the discovery days gonna look like mm-hmm. um maybe they'll be absolutely fantastic and we'll all be sitting here this time next mm-hmm. year thinking why why were we so nervous mm. you know i think it's going to be a little rough for the first year i think it will be, be as well yeah, yeah there'll be a lot of growing pains and like trying to figure things out but like I was thinking about the first time I ever saw downhill as like a the World Cup downhill was on Eurosport. Mm. I just happened to be flicking through channels as a kid and was mm. like, "Holy crap, that's cool! Mm. Wow, oh, he's from the UK. What's his Stephen Peterson? That's it. So that effect, <laughs> yeah. like that, is what is going to happen because mm. as like the Red Bull, they they do an incredible job and their reach is absolutely mm. vast and it's mm. you know a lot of people know about. Um, all the sports that they present, and mm. they, they, they tend to present the coolest sports, mm. and that's been their whole, their whole thing. But that effect of a kid sitting down that's got no idea, mm. and switching on some random TV channel, mm. and seeing that—that's so potential. I I would interject with kids don't really watch TV anymore. Yeah, I think uh, there is a whole subset of people that will be targeted through Eurosports traditional like TV channels, but I think. Red Bull were actually doing it really good with YouTube and social media. Mm-hmm. That targets like quite a wide array, but imagine, I'm sure imagine got, they'll do that as well. Yeah, I'm sure they've got a full plan for like the yeah. new the new era, especially the short firm form socials. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see how they how they tackle all all that. But it, it's I know, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing that you know, any anything could happen. But I I do worry that in some ways. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just someone that maybe works in or you know dabbles with the whole video side of things and video production. But I do. F- I would just like the community to give it a fair shot. I wouldn't like the first year of Discovery to be like a poison chalice, mm. where no matter what they do, 
they just get shot on from a great height. Why do people? Why are people so against paying for things? <laughs> no, I just knew what Max was going to say. Why are, yeah. The people are absolutely dead set that if it's a paid model subscription that they're just not going to watch. Mm, and it's yeah. like, that is ab- absolutely ludicrous. Is, Do you like the sport or not? I've paid, I pay to watch things all the time. And the, the, the whole, maybe it's just because I'm in it's, film it's production. Too, but people are like this, though. We'll be like, I'm not going to pay the subscription to that, but I'll go to the pub and watch it and buy drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it, I don't know. I don't know why that is, but well, I th- I'm guilty. Because it well, it's just the, it's the new age of everything for free immediately now. Mm. But you're still paying for that six pound a month for Netflix or the twelve pound a month for Netflix. Mm. You are paying those models. It just seems more available if you don't have to buy many of them. And YouTube has really sort of changed mm. the whole face of that in terms of releasing and distributing films. But like people need to be paid. So. Mm. If if it's better and the, the the production is higher and it's reaching more people and you're getting a race run where you can see every that's one thing I have heard is that they're planning to put a camera on every single part of the track so you, there isn't a moment missed. Mm. So that to me it's like tech. There's there's something against the grain. I like the mystery. What happened? Nobody oh, knows. How did mystery. how did Luke Bruni do it? Ooh, <laughs> that nobody is the knows. Worst thing. Like what happened well, between? Uh, you know, Reno Sherton flicking it. No one knows. It's just like one of those things. So what, you'd rather just it was a camera at the bottom and just yeah. them coming across the lane? Yeah. Uh, just dis- disposable oh, camera, put it in the post, what, what, How else are we going to be able to make uh, podcasts like this where we talk about stuff Mate. that no one knows about? Well, the thing is, ben, like, it, it is against the bucket, boys, because it will kill our speculative fucking ramblings. Yeah. People will have the answers themselves. They won't, I mean, I don't think they need us now. <laughs> they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even humour us, you know. <laughs> I mean, for the Bucket Boys podcast, we, I just want a camera at the top, camera at the bottom, and it would just be a first-person account. I could not mm. What happened, more. Mike? Uh, there were some rocks. I kind of tried to go light on the front and got through them. Fascinating. I want, I want two thousand FPS cameras at every single part of the track. I want detail. Could they not just get a shit ton of dr- drones? The drones, the FPV stuff is definitely going to... I think they'll, they'll, they'll still just, integrate that. If you had like 30 ah. drones and just kept sending them back up. I'm not a big fan of them. And even like the cable cam was so crap. It's so It pivots round and it's the top down shot. You can't see what's going on. I think stop trying to be fancy. And the stupid, stupid camera guy that tries and pivots his camera at different angles. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you're just like... <laughs> it was just so stop it. That's the guy that... that he he was on top of the pops for twenty years, oh, you know, filming oh, Banana Rama, like and he got event. cut, and he went to fucking Red Bull TV and was just fucking gyrating the hips, baby. So Keep funny. it moving. It's when it's when they trip over the riders. So like the guy, the guy gets in their face, and they've not dabbed for a whole run. They've just won the race. They haven't unclipped their pedals, and they're trying to pedal around. And the guy just gets in front of it, and then they they nearly fall over because the guy's in their face. I love the massive um, crash zooms. That people do through rough tech, mm. and the bikes going everywhere anyway, and then yeah. you're just seeing like just bottom bracket, and it's like just wider, yeah. go wider. Sorry, probably bitching and moaning now. I mean, our yeah. production value on this is shit. It's just back of a van. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just people as cameramen expressing themselves. Like, yeah, you know, guys, it's like, and you know what? Let's add a full twist into here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it Snowshoe that he did the full 360? Yeah, I was, I was like, does he have a rig for that? He might be an editor, and he's like, that's going to be my transition. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like oh, people. No. He's probably it's probably like his move. Like that's Keith, all right? Yeah, the old hurly burly. <laughs> so yeah, Discovery needs more backflips in the cameras. Yeah, yes. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if if we do that, get that kind of downhill, it will be. Uh, sorry, that sort of continuous shot. 
Mm. It will be amazing, but then that obviously probably explains or um, begins to shed light on the huge upheaval that will have to be in the structure of a weekend. Mm. Because just, they were just the gaps probably aren't big enough right now mm. to offer that sort of yeah or, sort of feedback. The, I mean, there, there there was lots of rumours about a smaller field. Mm. I don't think they're planning about to do directors. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, think they're planning to do. Awful. I don't think they're planning to like change everything immediately. So yeah. there's, it's going to be very, very similar to start off with, and then it'll continue to evolve over time. And it, the the changes will be to adjust for television. I'm so annoyed with myself. Sorry, I had a really bad joke about Charlie Hatton having a great se- season. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be hats off, not hat on. And I meant to put it in the intro. Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Oh. I, had, oh. I had one for our uh, uh, Story of the Race video about uh, Jess nailed it. Cause, oh, yeah. that's a good one, yep. yeah. Yeah, nice. The Reese Wallace yeah. job was incredible. Yeah. That, this is the kind of... He's so sick of that as well. He's he? so sick of that. Is he done with it? Oh, he's done with it. He's fully done with it. <laughs> yeah. But this is the kind of, you know, the insight that people are hungry for, this rich, creative process. Mm-hmm. Jess nailed it. Charlie hats off. Charlie hats off. <laughs> and I think on that, I mean that's an all-time low. We should leave it there. <laughs> Thank you very much for um, listening to this whirlwind experience of the 2022 World Cup season. Maybe if um, if announcements get made or something, we'll do one-off Bucket Boys podcasts. Mm. We'll see how we go. We probably won't. Who they were kidding? But um, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for amazing gear, and we'll catch you in 2023. Bye. Bye. Bye.